Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show with me, Lewis McParlin. On top of the regular league in action, we also have a flurry of Coupe de France matches to chat about today as the competition's big boys got their first taste of this year's tournament. Apart from the cup action, we will be previewing three games from the top league of France this weekend as Strasbourg travel to face their eastern rivals Metz. Sante tried to take advantage of Rennes' lacklustre form and Marseille gets set to resume their soap opera season with Bordeaux, the opponents, in Sunday's big evening clash. I have Thomas Wiseman and Enkdevin alongside me and as I said, we are going to start off with some of the cup stuff and, and I was a... Uh, I was getting a little bit of a, a, I don't know, a tutorial, a, a bit of a lesson before we went on on what has really happened with the, the Coupe de France this year because, you know, as many people know, it's a fantastic tournament. 8,500, 9,000 teams pretty much get involved every year. Teams from all over the world, for old French uh, islands and whatnot. Uh, people travel all over it. It's very suited to the smaller teams. They kind of want the smaller teams to win it. And it is fantastic. But of course, with coronavirus and everything, this year has been difficult for it. And they've had to slightly change tack. Eric, you were kind of summed up quite well before we came on. What's the kind of setup this year that they've kind of made it so the amateur teams that maybe haven't been playing because their league's been called off are playing other amateur teams as opposed to going up against, I don't know, Leon and getting slapped 10 0 because they've not played in months? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, the, what's, what the FFF uh, have decided to do is to split split it into two pools. Uh, there was a preliminary round for League 2 sides only, that is um, half of the professional sides. Uh, Liga and Ligue 2, uh, where there were 10 matches played. Those two, those 10 winners from Ligue 2 were drawn against Ligue 1 sides, and, and there, there have been matches being played all week. In those, um, well, the amateur sides are, have been playing, uh, from the seventh round on. So the seventh round is yet to be completed. Um, the eighth round, uh, will be played next midweek, or sorry, this weekend. Uh, and then the, uh, round of 64 for the amateur sides. Uh, will be played next uh, Saturday and Sunday, the 20th and 21st, following which there'll be a draw, uh, and you'll have the winners of the um, amateur, amateur side uh, be drawn against the uh, winners from uh, the section that included the Liga and Ligue 2 sides. So uh, normal service will resume in early March um, with the round of 32 uh, once that has been drawn. Yeah, if you if you listen to this and still a little bit lost, don't worry because that's been me all weekend. To be honest, I'm still a little bit confused how it's whole all working. But like Eric said, in a couple of weeks it will kind of go back to the usual format that it usually does. But at the moment, just with teams not playing, some teams are playing. It's a little bit muddled about at the moment. But the league and teams got involved uh, this week, had their first taste of the tournament for this season. Some of the notable results that have come out uh, this week were being Montpellier knocking Strasbourg out of the competition, a 2-0 win with Andy Delore getting his 10th goal of the season. Thomas Wiseman, Andy Delore, he, he just keeps on scoring, doesn't he? Yep, I mean, it's just, it's it's um, it's um classic Andy Delore, really. How he is at Montpellier, he's just been, especially him and him and Laborde, even, I don't, I don't think we're playing the usual um, two-up-front formation for this one, but yeah, he, he's just... Uh, such a, a difficult player to play um, in Liga and and clearly he benefits from from having uh, a partnership with with Laborde like he does. So it's just uh, yeah, he'll keep scoring. 
It's, it's kind of interesting that as well, how sometimes players just seem to go on for years and they can obviously be solid players, they're professional footballers, but then something just clicks and they have an absolute couple of years mm-hmm. where they're absolutely incredible. I mean, whenever you, you talk about Andy Delore, the kind of example that keeps getting brought up was, oh, years ago he went to Wigan for £4 million or whatever it was and didn't really do much. But then it's like, there's a lot more to football than just putting a guy in this team in this division and saying, go and score goals. You've got to have something built around you. And him well, was, playing under yeah. Tersicarian and at Montpellier, Laborde, off him, it's all just seemed to really click these last few years, hasn't it? Yeah. People seem to forget that he played in Mexico for, for, for a season. <laughs> or it was half a season before he came back to France. Um, which I always forget. But yeah, so, yeah he's, he just seems to click in that Montpellier team. So, would, I'm trying to put together timelines right now. Would Gignac have been... Uh, because it was Tigres he played at, wasn't he? I'm trying to think if Gignac yeah. would have been... If that would have been a strike partnership back in, whatever, 2016 f- or 15 or whatever it was. It was a few years back and Gignac's been in Mexico for a while, so... He's been a while, I would have been, I can't... Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. So Gignac <laughs> was at the same... He's been there since, for, since 2015 and... Delore went there in 2016, so that would have been some stri- a strike partnership in, in Mexico, yeah. That's kind of one of those, it's, it's all the kind of strike partnerships that you end up forgetting about. <laughs> it's like, um, well, it's an obscure what, what, one, I'll give you that. It's like Kyle Lafferty, formerly of Rangers, Hearts, and um, oh. Paulo Dybala and Kyle Lafferty playing in the same team that was that was something that happened just just in case you maybe forgot it um like well, it's one of the, it's one of those strike partnerships you kind of forget about Dybala, Lafferty, uh, Gignac, Delore it's all it's all the weird ones but, but, but this partnership that he does have at the moment Delore and Laborde um just try and say that 10 times fast it's going to split up at some point soon surely Thomas there has been transfer speculation for both players over the years but mm-hmm. nothing ever has really been that concrete but you'd imagine at some point Montpellier are going to lose they're at least one of their two star strikers. Yeah, I'm. Sh- I think it might have been Laborde who was linked to. I'm not sure if it was Wolves, but it was. It was a Premier League team in the in the winter. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it's like you said, it's only a matter of time before they do do get split up. And it'll be interesting to see how how Montpellier do react to that and and what they do to replace him. But they've got mm. a what what I've not I've not seen yet. But they've got um. A uh, exciting young player that that's played the last few games. I can't remember his name now. It's funny that you I, should mention that, Mister Mister Sepe Wahi, who has kind of jumped onto the yeah. scene a little bit. Was he eighteen years old striker? He got a goal against Monaco a couple of weeks back. back. And then a goal against Lawn. The goal against Lawn was an overhead kick. It was absolutely gorgeous. Eric Devin. They're both really, could he, yeah. Both really nice. Could he be the next kind of guy that, that fills that uh, place at Montpellier, Eric? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, speaking about Delore and, and Laborde, who, again, have done very well this season, but um, there are other intriguing players there. I think that uh, we, I think that uh, obviously Stefan Mavadidi has has shown in flashes his potential, um, one for the Britons out, Britons out there, uh, a young English player who had uh, been on loan at Dijon last season and now seems to be uh, playing with increasing regularity as as Delore and Laborde have struggled with uh, injuries and COVID uh, has looked decent as well. Uh, but yes, yeah, Wahi is uh, a young player who I think shows a lot of potential. Um, Montpellier don't exactly have a reputation for the strongest uh, academy, but they have they have definitely um, brought along some decent players in recent years. Um, and I think that you know we can 
we can look at this as being a, a you know a, a big potential for uh, these young players to uh, to make a difference going uh, going forward. I think that um, there there ought to be more opportunities. I think Montpellier are kind of a, a club in flux at the moment. Um, they sort of went all in with um, keeping Der Zakarian and and adding adding Laborde and and just sort of adding Savanie, um the season before last or last season. Uh, you know, sort of a, as a way to uh, develop things, um, and it, it doesn't look like it's coming off. Um, the team are in eleventh right now, and I think that um, you know it might be a chance for the team to sort of you know quote unquote blow it up in the summer um, by getting rid of one or both of Delore and the board, um, and uh, we could see even more from from those two young strikers there, Wahi and Mavadidi. Montpellier sometimes a weird team because I think outside of France they're not exactly seen as like one of the sexy teams that you want to buy players off of like I think especially recently they've had some terrific players that never really get linked I mean Laborde and Delors have been absolutely slapping it for years and they're only now starting to get a couple of like transfer links but they have had other other players that have never really been linked with big moves away like it was Salomon Sambia fullback I've always liked him for a couple of years and they have had other players Nico Kotza I've spoken about he only recently started to get a little bit of a, a transfer speculation I think it was Sampdoria it was a Serie A team that got in touch I can't 100 well, percent had been i mean he had a he, he had an ecl he was out for more than a year mm. so he is a player who i think has a lot of potential I mean, he's been capped for france under 21s um yeah I, I think there is a lot more to come from this team azure chotard is a player who i think that a lot of people would have expected a little bit more from this season hasn't quite got there um but again given the age of this team you know hilton daniel congre um you know, there's got to be more from this this side uh, to come. Dimitri Berto is a you know, a decent backup keeper as well, uh, given his age. And I think that um, we just need to. I think this team really needs uh, a shift in approach. I don't know. I don't want to say things are necessarily getting stale from Montpellier, but um, I think that the opportunities afforded to those younger players ought to multiply as they see. Um, you know, perhaps Europe slip away might be a little bit cruel, but I, I don't think they have the tools to continue to to fight. For, uh, fight for a place in Europe going forward. Yeah, it, it, it sometimes happens. Like, there's a Carrion's done a fantastic job, but he's been there three years, eight months, you know, if you, and these days that's quite long. <laughs> that's quite a long uh, time to be at one club, especially as a manager, coming on to almost four years now. And uh, Guardiola, I know, has been one to say in the past that he is a firm believer that after a while the manager's voice stops working. And I like there's a Carrion, I'm not trying to imply that there's some big thing, big like row of dominoes that are going to come tumbling down because I still very like Montpellier but I know what you're saying Eric like it may just be coming towards the bit of an end of a cycle where they do try and go in a different approach, try and bring in new players and, and kind of move away from this team which is admittedly you said very old, I, I don't know if the number's in front of me but I wouldn't be surprised if usually it's the oldest in Liga to be honest with, with Hilton what, does sort of Hilton, distract 43 years that. old <laughs> And Kai and Daniel Congre right beside him, thirty-five. It's it's a pretty old backline usually. Um, uh, okay, other big results that came out of the cup this week. Marseille got past Auger with a two-nil win. There's a first. Mets beat Amiens two-one, scoring in the first and the final minutes. I, I absolutely love that. Scored in the first minute and then got a, a penalty winner. I think it was like ninety-fourth or ninety-fifth minute to get past uh, my beloved Amiens. Um, 
Nantes, yeah, how about them? They were put out of the competition by Lorne with a 4-2 defeat ending their chance of winning the cup, putting an end to uh, the famous run of Raymond Domenech. Eight matches, four losses, four draws. I mean, obviously every manager always comes to the end of their time at a club, but Eric, did you see it being, what, 40 days after after joining? <laughs> Uh, I mean, sh- yes, honestly. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think that um, I think that only for only for the fact that I, I like Kambaware in this role. I know he did not have a very good time at Toulouse, um, but I think that he is a he is a manager who has shown in the past that he's got he, he can do a good job uh, bringing along young players. Um, I think particularly at his spell with Lons getting that team promoted. Um, and and bringing through a lot of players, I think that, that there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and I think that uh, you know his his ability uh, to do that, um, whilst also keeping a team competitive, means that you know you know not should be better. I, I think that um, it's frustrating to me to see um, on paper, yeah, you know. Not probably are not one of the worst three teams in the league, right? Uh, we've seen them um, do well. Ronald Colomawani is a decent st- young striker the, in terms of their defense. I think that the back line of Corsia, Appia, Palwa, and um, one of Giroto or Castelletto, depending on how you're going to use Giroto, uh, is more than solid. Um, and I think that in Luza and Bla, you've got some creative options in midfield. Um, I think that it, it's hard for it's hard for me to countenance the idea that 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 team should be you know duking it out with with teams of the likes of Dijon and Nîmes who you know despite having more of an identity that is Dijon in terms of their defensive ability um, aren't um, aren't nearly on that same level uh, so it's a frustrating term of events but I think the Convoire being available and you know there being no new manager bounce to speak of with Dominic. Um, meant that it was a, you know, it was a sensible approach um, for the Canary. Thomas Wiseman, we were talking after the podcast a couple of weeks ago, weren't we? And we were talking about Dominic, kind of joking about the whole situation. I, I was in, I was uh, telling you all about his uh, constellations ideas, or mm-hmm. what was um, astro- not star astronomy, star. astrology, the star signs. He, he's a big believer in that, and he wouldn't put too. Uh, differing star signs I think at centre back that was the type of thing you wouldn't put two guys that conflicted in terms of their star signs I was telling you all about that and you mm-hmm. said when Dominic eventually does get the boot in 20 minutes or so time whenever it does actually happen and now it has happened you mentioned a name who could be able to get the job who was that? Uh, it was Xavi no it was it was <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, was Comboare we called it we called it we did we did call it yeah it's um, I mean, it was kind of a predictable appointment. Um, I love the if anybody saw the press conference that they gave. Um, I can't remember. It was it was um, Keita that said something like, "Is the was it the perfect manager?" And and it, and Conbarri just sat there and just shrugs and like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> Oh, it was brilliant. He's like, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it. Like, okay. Am I the perfect manager? Not really sure. I wasn't the perfect manager for Toulouse. I was the perfect manager at Dijon, but then they booted me after five months. I wasn't the perfect manager at Gang. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> That's kind of how it's been. I don't know. We do like Antoine Kumbuari and his cap. Uh, I, ho- I hope I hope it does work out, but at the same time, I think not need a relegation to kind of reset. I don't know if that's too. I don't know if that's too harsh to say. I think um, he's. I think I saw a, a stat from. Um, I think it was Opta that said he's now coached eight league and teams. I think the record's nine. So fingers crossed. So he's going to try and get sacked now, so that he can get the opportunity to to get the ninth job and match the record. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He does. He doesn't want his end his career. No, is what you're saying. I don't think he will. No. <laughs> uh, okay. Other other result that kind of came out of this round just before we move on to some of the league stuff was Ligue 1 Bordeaux losing two nil to League Deux Toulouse. It, it's so funny to look at Toulouse last season. I mean, they kind of turned into a bit of a comedy team with just how badly they were doing, and then they eventually obviously get relegated. The 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 season was cut short, but Oh my god, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they were well off the uh, the mark. But this season, sitting second in Ligue 2, under Patrice Garand, apparently playing some nice football with some very young players. Manu Kone uh, has been fantastic for them in centre mid. He's going to be going off to Munchen Gladbach at the end of the season for £8 million. Janice Antiste, a guy I'm a, a, a big fan of, young striker. Steve Mvue as well, uh, a, a young player recently joined. He's been getting a few more opportunities. I mean, the Adley, Sam Sana. It's, it's interesting to see how that project has kind of turned around now that they've really made their team even younger than it was last season. Of course, they still had a very young team last season with Bafori Tiakite and Ibrahim Sangari, but they've gone for an extremely uber young approach this season with just a few more experienced guys along the midfield and it's seeming to work at the moment you know they're into the next round of the cup and sitting second in league two so all good for them because i do love i do love teams that play loads of young guys big fan of that um okay let's move on to first of our three previews for this podcast this one is bordeaux who currently sit in 10th facing Marseille in ninth. And we didn't actually get the opportunity to speak about the whole Marseille malarkey a few weeks ago. We've not spoken since it all kind of went down. But Eric Devin, even a few weeks ago when we were talking about Marseille and we were saying that their season has been a bit of a disaster, that was even before the stadium was attacked by fans. They got in and attacked Alvaro Gonzalez. They threw Andre Villas-Boas' suitcase across the room while on the hunt for a row. Uh, Andre Villas-Boas left the club, slash was pushed out the club. Bit of a mixer. Is it even more of a disaster now? Like, it was a disaster even before that, and now all this has happened. Like, what was your response to, like I said earlier, the soap opera that seems to be happening on the South Coast? I mean, uh, you know, it's... It's always something there. I think that um, the lack of stability for that team, particularly excuse me, <clears throat> under Frank McCourt's stewardship, has been really frustrating to see. I think that we, you know, as fans of Liga, as 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 journalists working with Liga, we want Marseille to ha- have a level of consistency and strength and to be the the big club that they are, um, and we haven't seen that. Uh, under under McCourt, uh, it's been a constant full of managers, players, um, and it's it's been it's been really frustrating to see. I think that the the team have been poorly mismanaged in terms of their transfers, um, and when they have sort of struck gold, as it were, you know, perhaps Alvaro Gonzalez has been 
surprisingly canny addition. Andre Villas-Boas has, has had this side performing you know, far above expectations or means, as it were, uh, given where they finished last season, uh, despite not having Tova. Um, it seems that they sort of conspire to cut things up. I mean, if you've got Andre Villas-Boas and he's, despite their struggles in the Champions League, he's done exceedingly well for the team. Um, the fact that he seems to think that Pablo Longoria, the sporting director, uh, is bringing in players without his consent. Um, you know, the, the club's hierarchy, you know, whether it be Aero or McCourt or whomever, um, it's, you know, it's incumbent upon them to make sure that this talented manager, I mean, I think that despite his struggles at times in England, we, we can't argue with that, um, ought to be kept in the loop and consulted and kept happy vis-a-vis the team's transfer strategy. I mean, after all, um, you know, the, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not as if, um, the intent that Longoria has had with, um, with the purchases he's made has been bad. I mean, if we think about <clears throat> the loanees he's brought in and Balerdi and, and Cuisance, uh, prior to the, the season starting, that those made sense. Uh, you know, a, a, an attacking presence and a central defender, um, both young and promising, but without, you know, the risk of, 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 you know, having to ship them off as, um, you know, I think that, you know, Nemanja Radonjic looks like a, a bit of a black eye for the club. Kevin Stroopman certainly does, given the fees paid for those two. Um, but, you know, also Paolo Rola, you know, that's an attack-minded right-back. I think that um, I think that it's, it's a, a situation where um, Longoria is trying to do the right thing, but we don't necessarily know, um, you know, even if that, those moves make sense, I mean, that you know, Cham coming in, I don't know why that incensed um, Villas-Boas to such a degree. Um, you know, it, it could be that it was the straw that broke the camel's back, but I, I think that the club should have made an effort um, in the wake of this to have kept him on side more. If he, if maybe this was an untenable situation even to the end of the season. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, if Marseille had, you know, sort of gotten, gotten to grips with things, um, I certainly don't think they're any more flawed than any any other side below Ren, for example. I think we can safely say that, um, you know, the top five is probably going to stay the top five um, come the end of the season, right? I don't think either one of you would argue that, right? I mean, Monaco and, are already 10 points ahead of Ren, and I think Ren are pretty much head and shoulders above any other team in the league, save the top four. Um, but that's six spots there to be won. There's a Coupe de France campaign. Um you know, the club have really, really have egg on their face uh, over this. So, um, you know, they've been linked with Jorge Sampaoli, um, you know, who could be an exciting attack-minded option. Um, but is he the type of person who can, can get the best out of those of those players? You know, uh, I think Dimitri Paye in particular looks disgruntled. And, uh, you know, to get him and Tovan back on the same wavelength and, and to get uh, Milik, who was hurt <clears throat> last weekend, uh fit and firing i think that um there's potential there again but um the club need to figure things out and and quickly because that that unrest as ugly as it was uh may be simmering now but it's certainly not abated it's certainly not going away uh full stop uh, until this club have a level of consistency that you know uh has them back back where they ought to be 
It's, it's, it's a bit of an interesting trip if you just Google Frank McCourt and Marcy and kind of go through some of the main headlines that, that it brings you and you can start to see a bit of a timeline of how his time has gone as kind of owner of Marseille. So here's an article from BBC uh, from October 2016. Frank McCourt promises £180 million of investment after buying Ligue 1 Club with a quote in it saying, Today a new chapter opens in the great history of Olympique de Marseille. We're going to put our club back on the road to glory. Okay, that sounds good. All, all, all well and good. But then you just need to scroll a little bit further down, okay, and here's, here you see another article. Former Dodgers owner Frank McCourt tries soccer with French fixer upper. And then you scroll just a little bit further and you see a, a headline from Forbes that says Marseille has lost more than 200 million euros since Frank McCourt bought the club. Thomas Wiseman, when McCourt bought the club, he did say that, you know, they were on a path, they were, they were on the way to a long-term improvement, like you said, bring the team to glory. Are we in the dip before a rise, or do you see a, 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 a what's the word a pathway to how this all works out? Do you see some sort of may bigger project at hand that is slowly working its cogs, even though it kind of looks kind of kind of rubbish right now? What do you see coming out of this? Because like, I'm not gonna lie, I don't see a, an extremely no. successful roadmap. I mean, if they somehow turn this around and become league and champions next season, then. McCourt's a, a genius, but um, I don't see that. I don't see that happening, to be honest. Now, um, I think that it was sort of a, a detriment to how well they did play last season because they didn't. Re- they didn't really. Um, no expected Marseille to finish uh, as high as they did, um, and they performed so well that perhaps expectations this week's season were were higher than. Than perhaps if they'd have finished in a more reasonable position, um, but it, yeah, it's a, it was a tough. It's a, it's probably a tough season for Marseille supporters to watch, and obviously there's been a lot of frustration from the fans, um, as we've heard in the news anyway. But yeah, it's been it's been tricky, and and this Champions Project, um, that was I think he called it Champions Project, is uh, <laughs> you know it's it's in the dirt at the moment. Yeah. Champions. Honestly, you can look back at last season with them finishing second, and you could almost say that's the worst thing that could happen to them at this time. Like, <laughs> if it'd been a slow rise as opposed to this like mm. false promise that they're going to become a fantastic, you know, the next team to consistently finish second to consistently battle PSG. I don't know. I just think it kind of got the hopes up across Marseille way too high. Got them way too high for what's actually happening. Um, a word on the whole manager chat before we go and talk with our opponents for this game. Jorge Sampaoli has been heavily linked with the job. He's the current Atletico Monero coach, formerly of Sevilla, Santos, Chile, and he was most famously in the same room as Lionel Messi, as Messi was head coach of Argentina on their way to the 2018 World Cup final. Uh, <laughs> the head of football, Longoria, was talking about the whole manager chat uh, a couple of days ago, and this was a quote that, that he said. That he said, talking about names today is speculation, and I don't like speculation. We are working on different tracks. There are some advanced leads, others that are just at a contact stage. 
We are waiting for the moment to make the right decision. We are very happy with the work of Nasser Larguet, who's currently the, the interim coach at the moment. I believe he's the head of academy, usually. With his passion and intensity, this will continue until the right person is found for the future of the club. We have to take into account the demands of the supporters, who have made themselves very clear. The history of the club, we have to find a coach who is specific to that, who gives us hope and a way of working together. Thomas, does Jorge Sampaoli give them hope? Does he give you hope? Uh, I'm really not sure how to think about this. I think it... I don't know. It's a, it's a, it is a positive appointment. Um, it's not a Comboire appointment, I can tell you that. Um, but the issues at Marseille aren't really to do with the coach. Um, more so to do with what's what happens in the background. Mm, I know. It, it, it kind of seems like whoever is going to take the Marseille job has got to have... Some cojones, as you would say, to really like drag the team forward. Um, th- their opponents in this one is going to be Bordeaux, currently sitting 10th. It's a 10th v 9th fixture, this one. And Bordeaux have been playing well this season under Jean-Louis Gasset. It's starting to really pick up a little bit of pace. But all of a sudden, they've hit four losses in a row. The first two were to Lille and Lyon. Okay, they're both very difficult matches. But the last two have been Brest and Toulouse, who of course are in League 2, that one came in the Cup yesterday or a couple of days ago. Eric, do you fear that this Bordeaux bubble that has been building the last few months, do you think it could pop and, and they could slightly go off the boil, go back to the Bordeaux that we've all come to know and love? Mm, I, I don't think so. I, I think that there was a frustrating uh, result there in terms of uh, in terms of the 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 um sorry their their previous league match um but i don't think that we can read too much into the result in the week i mean that that was a side that was rotated um you know yeah losing to breast was frustrating but again you know i think we've seen that breast can give any team trouble I, even you know they came back from a goal down and a man down to to draw against leon at home for example uh that was that was dropped points for Leon. Um, and then in the week, I mean, this is, this is an entirely rotated side. I mean, um, you know, you know, raise your hand the last time, you know, you saw Sekou Mara start a match. That's, you know, it's, um, it, yeah, it was largely an academy side, man. They did, they did start the likes of um, Jimmy Briand and, and Jean Michael Seri uh, making his first action since arriving on loan. Um, but I, I do think that, um, uh, yeah, it, I wouldn't read too much into any of this, and I think that uh, this team, when they're playing their first choice eleven, uh, are probably in that solidly in that that slurry of teams that are jostling for sixth place. I, I would include that include along with them Montpellier, Metz, Marseille, and Lens. I think those those te- that uh, quintet of teams is you know probably all have as good as hope of, of any. Maybe Angers as well. Um, of getting that sixth European spot, um, if indeed uh, whoever wins the Coupe de France is not a uh, not a uh, not afforded a place in Europe uh, owing to their league place. And they brought in Hatem Benarfa towards the start of the season, a guy who is I don't know he can be your talisman, 
if he's if like everything's right, we we saw that a little bit at Ray, and he sometimes would win them games single handedly. And I believe when when Bordo signed him back on, that was probably the intended effect. How how have you been impressed with him since he's made his return to French football? Yeah, I, again, Ben Arfus had some issues with fitness, um, but I think certainly when he's been on the pitch, he's he's been electric. And for me, I think that he does seem focused. He does seem motivated. Um, and he knows that he's got a bit of a, a freer role in this team, um, you know, given how solid that defense has been. And I think that, you know, generally when he starts a league match, he he contributes in the form of a, a goal or an assist. And I think that uh, that that bit of spark, that bit of magic was something that, that that can make the difference for Bordeaux, right? This team are going to keep clean sheets. They're going to be solid defensively. Um, and OK, maybe there's a match or two where he's not he's not on the same wavelength as his fellow attackers and the team struggle. But I think, you know, if we look at that, that Leon match again, which Bordeaux lost that, you know, Leo Dubois scores a wonder goal to, uh, to win for, win that for Leon at the death. But on the balance, that match was very even. And I think we have to, again, credit Bordeaux, uh, for, for, for playing to that level. And that's, that's a, that's a Bordeaux they're, they're at full strength. That's the most recent match of theirs that I've watched. And that's that to me is a team that is you know is solid and, and in particular Ben Arfa you know he's a dangerous player with the ball at his feet. I think he he showed that you know throughout that match in Leon and has shown that continually this season. Um, you know, like I said, age is catching up to him. He'll be thirty four soon enough, but um, I think he still has the goods to get it done. Um, you know, now that Bordeaux are out of the cup, uh, they can they can focus on the league. As, as you know, tired as that sounds. But yeah, I think they've got every right to con- every sorry every chance of continuing to, to battle for Europe, and Ben Arfa will continue to be a big part of that if they do indeed succeed in reaching that um, sixth place come the end of the season. <clears throat> okay, a, a final word on this game then: Bordeaux versus Marseille. I'm going to get your score predictions from you two gents. Probably a narrow Bordeaux win. Uh, let's go with one nil, and this will be one for the purists. I can't remember what the exact stat was, but I think it was at least 40 years since Marseille last won away at Bordeaux. Oh, that's Something. the famous stat. Yes, like yes, that, you're yeah. right. Um, so, and I don't think they're, they're sort of coming into this in the best of mentalities or form to, to maybe break that break that stat. So I'm going to say uh, say one all draw. Okay, interesting. I, I'm going to go for a Bordeaux win in this one. Yeah, Marseille, great. They were all talking about everything that's going under Nasser Laguet. You know, everyone's saying how great the atmosphere and whatnot is, but a 2-0 a win over Auger doesn't exactly... You know, I don't know. I don't think it writes every wrong that Marseille felt this season. So I'm going to go a win for Bordeaux as well. Uh, like Eric said, I'm going to, I'm going to go a nice, tight 1-0 win for Bordeaux. Um Thomas, I understand that game starts at eight. Are you okay, like going in like five, five or so minutes into the match? I'm going to speed through these last two games. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll okay, try and cool. get up in the meantime. That's fine. Um, okay, let's move on to the next game. This is Ren against San Etienne. Uh, Ren currently sits in fifth in Ligue and Santi down in fifteenth. Eric, you were saying earlier that you think the top five teams in Ligue 1 at the moment will probably be the same top five that are there at the end of the season. I don't know if I'm 100% as sure of that with Ren. I think they're, obviously they are fifth, they're at the most uh, risk of not being in that top five, but they're like, 
They're 10 points off Monaco, who sit above them. They've got some teams snapping at their heels below them. Do you see Rennes still sticking on to that fifth place position the rest of the season, or do you see that changing, Eric? Yeah, I, I do see them sticking to sticking to fifth place. They haven't um, they haven't really, you know, had a match. They haven't had a performance in which I thought they've looked poor, uh, really since the Champions League ended. I think that you know if we look at some of these some of the results they've had since then. I mean, they 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 won four straight in the league, uh, beating Nice, Marseille, Lorient. And and mess in succession to end twenty twenty, uh, yeah. Then again, they've their forms drip, dipped a little bit. Um, but again, the only team that they've lost to in their last what is this dozen matches, ten matches domestically is uh, is Lille, and by one nil. There's no shame in that. Obviously, we we know how exceptional Lille are. Um, you know, they had a draw to they had a draw against Lorient. Okay, maybe on paper that's not the best result given Lorient's place in the table, but. Lorient are picking up form um, with Terra Mafia in particular looking impressive. That's also a regional derby. We we all we all know the old saw that you know throw the table out the window when it comes to a derby. Um, they drew at Lens again. Lens are are a team that have shown under Frank Ice. They're uh, they're incredibly impressive and won't stop fighting until the end. So that to that results again in isolation, no problem. So I I do think that Ren are are, are head and shoulders above you know most of the rest of the league but you know monaco you see there are 10 points behind monaco but okay if you draw three matches and monaco won seven straight you know then then you can account for six six of those points that and throw in the loss to Lille. that's nine points that's a you know so that's that's the swing right there in the last four matches um you know you've, you've just dropped nine points where to, to monaco and that's why they're 10 points ahead uh, Ren do have a match in hand. You know, if they win that, um, that's the that's the match. That's the reverse fixture, the one, the one that was canceled uh, against Marseille. Um, yeah, I, I think Ren again. You know, playing Saint Etienne at home, this should be a, a comfortable win for the Breton side. I think that they've, um, you know, unless they want to go well out on the cup, and we should. Oh, well, I want, and I'm curious what the, what the lineups are um, uh, for this match. Or, you know, how strong of a side have Ren put out? Um, but you know, in, in thinking about this, it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, they, they've, they've done really well. Uh, and I, I don't think that uh, a few of those so-called blips, I think can sort of be uh, explained away as it were. Um, so yeah, uh, well, let's see, this is, uh, this is a full, full strength team they fielded today. Um, I think Camavinga aside, uh, this is, uh. This is a fairly strong side, um, so it does appear that they, they do want to uh, uh, go in on the cup, uh, Julian Stefan being a cup specialist, as we know. Yeah, we, we do have to say that at the time of recording this, uh, Onji Ren is literally just about to kick off. Uh, it's the last of the Coupe de France games that uh, are being played this midweek with, with the big teams involved. I, I, know, I know what you're saying, Eric, but it's just like, when I look through the table and I look through some of the results... I, yeah, okay, they've beaten, I don't know, Lorient 3-0, and, and they drew to them a couple of weeks ago, and, and they beat Nice, and they beat a 10-man Marseille just before the end of, of last year. But it's like, when was their last, like, pulled-out-the-hat, big performance? Oh, wow, did not see that coming the slightest. 2-2 draw with Leon, okay, but apart from that, big games, I don't see them getting 
big perform, big big results. Then lost to Lille. Uh, like I said, beat Marseille, but Marseille, I'm pretty sure, were had ten men for most of the game. Uh, absolutely flumped their Champions League campaign. Earlier games, they they lost to Lawn two nil. Like I, I just think in a lot of big games, they haven't really turned up. They got thumped three nil by PSG. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just think they're the least convincing of the kind of bigger teams, and I think they could slip up. I don't see them. I don't remember the last time they really like blew away a team. And I know you can have a good defence, and sometimes defence is best form of offence, as they say. But it's like, I, 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 sometimes their, their strikers are a little bit dry as well. That that was something I was looking at recently, like, of the the last... Uh, I don't know if I wrote this down, actually. I was looking at it earlier, but it was like their last so-and-so goals that they've scored, say, last 15 goals. There was only like three or four that have actually been scored by like an out-and-out striker, like Adrian Unu or, or, or Serhu Guarassi. It's always like goals from midfield or, or whatnot, which is fine, but I wouldn't say that's the most... Uh, do we? Do you not consider Martin Terry an out striker? See that I know that that I know you were going to say that. That was the one I was like, where, how do we can how do we consider him? Because sometimes he plays as a winger, sometimes he plays up front. So that that was the only one I was not hundred percent sure of. Right. Well, what I would say as a rejoinder to that is, if we look at Terry's record for Les Espoirs, France's under twenty one uh, team, he has an excellent goal scoring record there, where he is he has he has been played more as a more as a more in a central role. I know that. Uh, with Lyon, um, and it, indeed um, in his prior spells uh, at Lille and Strasbourg, I hope I'm remembering that correctly, um, he was often used more often on the wing. Um, and so, if we if we sort of add that all up, then yeah, he is a he's a he's a player with a ton of potential in attack. Um, and so, despite him being used in a position. At times, uh, in which is not privileged, is his getting, getting the best of his goal scoring ability. Um, I do feel that you know, it, it, I mean, Garassi's back now, but were he, were, he to, were he to have an extended run leading the line there, um, that the, they would look a lot more convincing. There's there's plenty of options in that team attacking wise. There's interesting points. There's interesting points. I think he, he led the line for Strasbourg, didn't he, when he played for them? And he was okay, okay there, unless I'm. Remembering that wrong. I don't think he was playing as a central striker there, was he? Yeah, I, I feel I like he was used more on the left. Yeah, maybe. Because that would have been um, Motiba. Uh, did they have Azor yet at that point? I'm not sure. When was he there? 2018? Two seasons ago, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I do know what you mean, though. Much, yeah. I do know what you mean with um, Terry. Um Going up against Saint Etienne in this one, Claude Puel's been in the job sixteen months now. Just came out of another transfer window. Anthony Medes came in. Papi Abusisis came in from uh, Greece. Thomas, have things stabilised yet? There, I don't know. Every time I look back there, and it's like that was all the promise that Claude Puel's going to come in and stabilise everything. But they're sitting fifteenth. Nothing seems to be really like calming down. It seems like they're still in a bit of a flurry. This famous historic team in French football, Thomas. Mm, I mean, they've just lost one so, nil um, against Sochaux in the uh, in the cup, so it's not it's not going to plan as yet. Um, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about them in terms of relegation, but the it looks like it's going to be another fairly poor season for them. Um, I don't mind the the signs they brought in. Cisse's um, you know, reputable, good, good uh, centre back, and Modeste has been. A proven goal scorer, 
most of the places he's been to. So um, it's going to be quite dull for them. But yeah, um, just uh, not not a great season. But I, when you look up the t some of the teams, you know, close to by and around them, it's it's maybe not as bad. Uh, okay, I want to get your score prediction for this one then. Ren against San Etienne. Thomas, how, how do you see this one going? Do you think Anthony Modest could, could get a goal to win this one away to Ren? I'll say... 3-1. Um, two, one, yeah, 2-1 two, Ren. Maybe Modest comes on and scores. <laughs> okay, 2-1 two, two, Ren. Uh, Eric, how about you? Martin Terry on the score sheet? Sure, why not? Hey, we, one for him and uh, and one for... Grenier, he's been getting a few recently. I feel like I saw. Right, yeah, I, he wasn't. Um, he's not in the uh, the eleven here. I'm not sure whether that's through injury or, or what's going on here. Um, no, he, he is someone. Now, speaking of players, I know he's not a striker, but he's someone who I th I do think is really impressed. Is having a bit of a renaissance for Ren. Um, I'll say two nil in this one. Um, I think the Ren's defense is more than capable of dealing with the. Anthony Modest. Um, so yeah, that's that's my take on the match. I'm going to go 1-0 San Etienne, purely to be a contrarian. There's <laughs> nothing behind it apart from that. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, last game to go through then, just before we leave you. It's Mets against Strasbourg. Mets in 7th, Strasbourg in 16th. It's the derby of the east of France. And, and, and in recent years, I feel like we've seen a bit more excitement, a bit more clamour over Strasbourg. What they're doing under Thierry Loré, getting some good players, Ludovica York, all that jazz, getting into Europe through the Coupe de la Ligue. But... Thomas Wisen, if you had to pick the standout team in the East right now, surely it would be Mets. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, just because of how strong they are in in defence. I think they've got an injury to John Boy and somebody else in defence, but they've still been very, very strong. And and um, it's really great to see what Antonetti's doing there, you know, um, and, and bringing out fi finally, you know, Farid brought um, Bulaya, who who's been their main creative player and in, in attack um, when we've seen in the past few seasons he's been fairly inconsistent but he's he's really performing week in week out for, for Mets and um, it's really showing for them yeah, Farid Boulay, I, I was going through his career, 27 years old now, kind of coming into a nice little age and he's had 9 direct goal contributions this season in Ligue 1, that's five goals and four assists. But throughout his career, as far as I can see, in a top division, except for the year that Mets were down in Ligue 2 when he was playing there, in a top division, he'd never even had more than three direct goal contributions, Thomas. I didn't really think he had that in him, but he has been, probably, you'd mm -hmm. say, at least an attack, the main man at Mets. Yeah, especially because they lost... Um, oh, I've got his name now. Nian. Uh, Nian. Yeah, Nian, sorry, early on in the season. Um, it would have been great to see what what they would have done with with Nyan there, but um, yeah, Bolayo has definitely definitely stepped up for them. Mm. Um, Eric, are you a bit surprised to see Sintonza still playing at Mets? Um, well, there were there were rumors that Marseille were after him for right back in the window, um, but you know, I, this is the thing. I, I feel like. Where Mets are right now, they have the tools to um, to push for Europe, and I think that Santons must be a part of that. I, I don't think that 
any other any I don't think that Marse Marseille in Mess's form in the in at, at present going to Marseille would have been a lateral move at least this season. Um, and I think that I know that's a shock to hear, but I I think um, yeah he's been he's been a standout performer for the club again. Bulaya, you know, is is on another level. He's been shortlisted for the player of the player of the month award um, by UNFP. Uh, for January, which is really impressive. Um, and I think that moving into that central role and, and having a, a back three and a KG midfield behind him gives him a lot of freedom, and we're seeing that. Um, but yeah, he and Santos have been really outstanding for this team this year, as well as um, Kiki Kuyate coming in into that three-man defense. So it's it's really been an excellent season, all told, for Mess. And I think, um, yeah, I would, I would have to give them the upper hand here. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to talk about Kiki Kiyatu at some point. Maybe Go, in a few talk, weeks. talk to him. Go. No, no, no we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. <laughs> he has been impressive, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been uh, very impressive, yeah. yeah. Mets are kind of turned into one of these teams that kind of just under your nose, they've actually just started to put quality all over the pitch. This boy, mm. Papi Sar, young guy who's come up, another generation foot players come in. He started to play the last few matches and has been so impressive. He got a lovely goal. He's had two goals, actually. One of them was beautiful. I can't remember if it was the one against Montpellier, the one against Brest, but he's really looking well above his age and playing it alongside Digmo Maiga in midfield. Like, Alexandra Akija in goal as well, who I love. Like, they're just starting to put a bit of quality all over the pitch. As soon as they can get Thierry Ambrose scoring, that's when I'll I'll, I'll, I'll bow down to them. If they can get him scoring it officially, then I'll just I uh, you might be, give them the title. to wait a while for that one, to be honest. <laughs> well, this is, this is something else we should mention about Mess. I mean, Open and Get, who, you know, was who's a decent attacking player, has been missing for quite some time with injury. Uh, you also have uh, a Matthew Udo and Thomas Delane have both missed long stretches. Uh, mm-hmm. Kevin and Doram in midfield. Um, uh, Wagner, who's who's expected to be one of their key key summer signings, really struggled to get fit. He is playing now. Uh, I believe scored the winner uh, in the week did, yeah. from the spot. Um, so I think the Mets, Mets, despite uh, you know some unevenness, uh, a couple wobbles of late. Really can start. Really should be looking up, um, given those given those retu- those players' returns mm-hmm. and potential returns, I should say. Um, Eric, in this one, they'll be going up against Strasbourg, of course. They're kind of local rivals. Currently sitting in 16th, like I kind of said a little bit earlier. Strasbourg rose the team uh, in the East that were a bit more impressive. You know, like I said, they had gotten to Europe, played some nice football, but sitting 16th and. This has kind of been a bit of a slow downfall since that European run, actually. I'm pretty sure last season they weren't overly high up in League 1 as well and have started to kind of slip down a little bit. Do you think Thierry Lodi has taken Strasbourg as far as they can go or, or do you think there's more to come under the Frenchman? I really like Lodi, but, you know, like we were saying earlier with Der Zakarian, sometimes the manager's voice just stops working. Have they taken? Has he taken Strasbourg as far as they can go? I mean, he got them. He, they won a trophy under him. Um, they achieved successive promotions under him. Um, but you know, if we if we talk about the old the old axiom dating back to Bella Gutman, you know, the, the whole three year theory. I mean, Terry Larray has been there far longer than that, and I think the achievements he's had uh, have have been really impressive. But I, you know, I think the club ought to probably were expecting more. Uh, this summer, given how much they spent on uh, the likes of Habib Diallo in the summer, uh, 
in that I know Diallo had a spell out with injury, but I, I think that um, and took a while to get integrated when he when he was fit. Uh, but I do think that yeah, Strasbourg, despite a, having been having been better after a bad start to the season, uh, really for me are underachieving. I'm sure in terms of what the club were expecting. I know that they've had their own issues with with injury. Uh, Matt Sells in particular highlights highlights those. But um, yeah, I, I do think that maybe uh, Loray, you know, with for all his organizational gifts, um, you know, ought to stay in the division, but. Um, you know, maybe we'll look for a new challenge, as they say, come the summer. Surely he's won enough plaudits with a team the size of Strasbourg to take a step up, though, Eric. Sure. I mean, I you know, let's you know, let's look at the table. I mean, who could be on the hunt for a new manager come the summer? I, I not uh, in twenty minutes. <laughs> not in twenty minutes. Um, but no, in all, in all seriousness, I mean, I, you know, uh, Montpellier. Okay, right. A, t- a team with more resources than Strasbourg, I would argue, given their ambitions in the transfer mm-hmm. market. Um, if they do part ways with their Shikari, and there there were some rumblings about that in the keep uh, a few days ago, um, you know, I think that's another manager who probably has taken the team as far as he can go. And you know, Loray's organizational principles might come in there and do really well. Um, nice are looking for a long term solution as well. I don't. I think that Loray doesn't probably have the profile for the NLS mm-hmm. project necessarily, but. Exactly, but I, I, you know, I, I do think that his teams in Strasbourg have generally played attra- attractive attacking football with a good level of organization, and you know, I think Nice under Loray would be f- exciting to watch at the very least. Um, you know, do we see Saint Etienne need a new solution long term? Um, that's another question too. How long is is an, is an older manager like Claude Puel or Jean Louis Gasset uh, going to want to stick around? Um, you know, sort of scrapping against relegation. Yeah, I, I think the plaudits that he has gained in the last few years does earn him that move up. Montpellier, what you said there, I think that would really... That sits right with me. Laurie, Montpellier, Lier, Laurie... I don't know, it works in my head. Definitely works in my head. Hopefully it might work on the pitch as well. Um, and he'll be hoping that his team can work on the pitch in this one. Gorgeous segue. Thomas Wiseman's score prediction met Strasbourg. The Derby of the east of France. I'm sure it sounds a lot sexier if you say it in French. How do you see this one finishing? Um, I'm going to go for 1-0 Mets. 1-0 Mets. Mm. Eric Devin, how about you? Words out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> uh, let's go 2-1. 2-1 to Mets. Um, just because I was slating Thierry Ambrose earlier, I'm going to hope that it's 2-0 and Thierry Ambrose gets an absolute, like, deflection 95th minute just to like hammer the nail in to really get the win for Mets. I see that. <laughs> I see that happening. Hey, Mets could... Mets on goal difference could go... I'm trying to look at this now. Could go fifth if Rennes slip up, you know? They could go. They could definitely go sixth if Lon mess up. This could actually be a very big game for Mets, especially against the rivals, of course. Could be massive for them in terms of the season. Thank you very much for listening to this latest GFFN podcast. If you are looking for more information on all things French football, you can find us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com or you can find us on Twitter getting all the abuse at GFFN. I've been joined by Eric Devin and Thomas Wiseman. I have to thank you, of course, the lovely listeners, for tuning in week in, week out. I really do appreciate it. Uh, But... With no further ado, I shall see you next week for the next episode of the podcast. Have a nice week.